Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Yeah, it's a great challenge. I mean, we've got to step up to it, though. Um, obviously, uh, not, not the hottest. Um, coming, up, coming off of a loss, uh, second, straight, two, second straight loss, and obviously losing our head coach. Um, we're in for a challenge, but when you go into an atmosphere like this, you understand it's going to be a heavyweight challenge regardless. Dak Prescott talking about tonight's game. Week 13 begins with the Dallas Cowboys at the New Orleans Saints, a recent trend for the NFL, taking a couple of the teams that played on Thanksgiving, usually the Cowboys, and dropping them in the Thursday night spot one week later, giving the NFL, the extra bonanza of having America's team back on national TV. Just a week after 38.5 million watched the Raiders beat the Cowboys 36-33 to with 28 total flags thrown. Got to throw a flag on Christopher. You haven't broken it. Not really. It's been a while. I, I noticed you right. haven't broken out the Rikers Island jacket in a while. It has been a while. I know. In fact, like, I'm like no joke, and this is going to sound weird. Like, as I was taking out of my closet this morning, I was thinking of you. I was going, oh, man, I'm going to hear it from Florio. I haven't worn this in a while. Here comes Riker Island's uh, Andy Dufresne comment. So, uh, yep, <laughs> I, I felt like I had to break it out. You know, it, it's funny. Uh, I, I know your rotation. You know my rotation. Well, this is your Thursday badly. shirt. I was going to say this is That's like right. a Thursday shirt for you for sure. A hundred percent. That's right. Yes. This this is the this is the semi casual no dress shirt. We're doing double duty in the morning. Yeah. Not that I'm complaining about. It. I actually look forward to our joint Mega Picks podcast, which we'll tape at some point before noon. But yeah, this is this is kind of because Thursday of all the days in the week, Thursday. I don't want to say it's my easiest day by any stretch but there's a game on thursday night which right. always has me excited right and we tape what i usually do in the afternoon we're done by 11 30 ish so i kind of have loose afternoon not that i sit around not doing anything but it's it's an yeah. unstructured gotcha. afternoon which gotcha. is kind of a nice break right. from the usual 
got to do this, got to do this, got to do this all day long. Right. I, I hear you. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's the start of the wind down of your week. Like today, uh, it's my Friday, as we know, all know, right? Uh, so I'm excited for that. I'm going to rub it in a little bit. But my Friday is like pretty action packed. I got a bam, bam. Like I, I got it all packed in, you know, between now and about four o'clock this afternoon. And then I'm done uh, and I can start my weekend. So I'm looking forward to that. Like, hey, I wanted to ask you something about the the double dip with the Cowboys. Do you like it? Because, like, I'll say flat out right now, I don't like it. I don't. I saw them on Sunday before Thanksgiving against Kansas City. I saw them on Thanksgiving. I don't want to see them again, America's team or not. I don't. I want to see a new team. I do. I just – it's nothing personal to the Cowboys. I just – I'd rather see another matchup or another team that maybe we haven't got a a full, you know, set alone, watch the game, deep dive into – uh, I don't know. Those are my thoughts. You got any of those feelings? Well, I understand what you're saying from our perspective because we appreciate the opportunity to focus on right. one game right. at a time. So it would be nice to be able to focus on a team that we don't focus on. Now, that said, I mean, we, we saw everybody the Sunday before Thanksgiving, but you're saying the Cowboys and the Chiefs were in that big, that big late window. afternoon spot. Right. Which also had a gigantic rating, by the way, relative to the other Sunday games all year long. So, hey, the Cowboys are selling again. When the Cowboys are good, they draw more attention. They got the people that love them. They got the people that hate them. They get a lot of people who tune in to watch the Dallas Cowboys. And I don't mind it. I don't mind it because, frankly, I'm in a turkey coma during the Thanksgiving afternoon game, and I'm not sure how much of it I ultimately remember, at least a Thursday yeah, night I game. Hear you. It's like a normal right. Thursday game, and I can really focus on it and remember what transpired because my body isn't processing 3,500 calories that were ingested no, no in about a 15-minute window. So, uh, <laughs> You're right. I mean, um, you doze off a little. Like I know my, my, my son got mad at me in like the third quarter at one point because he caught me like kind of falling asleep on the couch. And he's like, Dad, are you serious? Are you seriously falling asleep right now? So, you know, then I had to perk up and act like I was awake. I did have to go back and watch some of it again. I did. I, I did, too. It, you know, it, I watched, it becomes you know, a haze, yeah. and you miss a drive. And if you miss a drive, you just feel like you've completely lost, lost track of the game. track of the yeah. flow of the game. Right. So uh, we'll watch all of it tonight as the Cowboys take on the Saints. The Cowboys have lost three out of four. The Saints have lost four in a row. So this is an important game for both teams. It, it is an important game. It really is. And, you know, wait, I, you brought up something else, too, about the Thanksgiving game because I, I did watch it back, right? And, you know, I'm Ron Jaworski, and I watched the film. Um, the, the, you know, the pass interference, the penalties, right? That was the, that was the big takeaway from the game from everybody. Yeah, it was a great game. It was a lot of fun. But, man, there was a lot of flags. You know, of course, the pass interference on the Cowboys specifically – uh, Jerry Jones calling it throw-up ball. Well, let me just say, like, I'm going to sound like a jerk here. The, the NFL failed the Raiders, in my opinion, in the game. They failed them. There, there was, I'm going to say, at least five more egregious pass interferences that would have changed the game. Probably wouldn't have let the Cowboys come back and make it go into overtime. But they chickened out, the refs. You know, there was some blatant ones. The play after a pass interference, two plays after a pass interference, and I think the refs just got scared because they were, well, I just called it on this guy. I can't call it again. I just gave. The offense just got 40 yards on a blatant pass interference. Man, am I going to give them another 40? And, you know, I don't I don't like that. Like, hey, if it's P.I., it's P.I. And you know me. I'm, I'm into, like, rubbing his racing, and there's going to be some hand fighting. But this was beyond that. It was beyond it. It was just was Deshaun Jackson touchdowns. Zay Jones open for a 40-yard gain. 
pulling them to the ground. There was just too many of them. And, you know, again, it just brings me back to the refing that's just very inconsistent right now. It reminds me of two things. First, the comments that were made by Mike Zimmer about the 49ers, how they sure. always hold, and they're not going to throw a flag for holding on every single play right. because you could, but you're not going to do it because it grinds the game to a halt. And that goes all the way back to the Legion of Boom. When they were in their heyday, what they were doing is they were roughing up receivers before the ball was in the air. They were committing yeah. defensive holding and illegal right. contact on right. virtually every play daring the officials to call it, knowing that they weren't going to call it all the time. And when they did, it was five yards and a first down. Fine. If we're able to set the tone, intimidate the receivers, frustrate the receivers, constantly grab and hold and tug and pull and hit and shove on every play when they're trying to get open, we'll gladly give up whenever they decide they're going to throw a flag on this. And when it's happening all the time, you know, hey, it's understanding that the officials are human too. Their perspective on what is and isn't allowed is going to change if they are settling into this mode where they're looking the other way on this stuff on almost every single play. Well, yeah, Dan Quinn, he's from Seattle. He was in that on that defensive staff. So, I mean, that's kind of the approach it looked like they took. They knew they couldn't play zone against uh, Oak, uh, Oakland. I keep saying that this week. I don't know why. Against Las Vegas. They knew they couldn't play zone, so they had to play man. And, and Mike, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you. That's what it kind of looked like. It's just like, let's pass interference every play, and I don't think they'll call it. And let's just, you know, kind of beat the refs down that way. Now, of course, it still didn't help the Cowboys, but it hurt the Raiders is what I will say. The, 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 there there should have been more, and it cost them some points and I think some opportunities ultimately. So sorry to go off track there, but it just came to my mind when we kind of talked about it. Well, it's, it's something to watch for tonight to see yeah, if that, it is. that habit continues now that Quinn is taking over for Mike McCarthy as coach of the team for this game because McCarthy has COVID and won't be available to play. And a lot of other shuffling happening on the coaching staff as they, they try to get ready and go forward. The good news is a very limited number of players have been affected. Amari Cooper has been activated off the COVID list after missing a couple of games and having some symptoms this week. So... Yeah, the show must go on. The show will go on, and it will impact the Cowboys from a coaching standpoint. But Sean Payton's already been there from his perspective. As I said earlier in the week, he's going to shed no tears for the Cowboys having their coaching staff turned upside down by COVID. Payton's already been through that, and you just have to deal with it, and you have to get ready, and you yeah. have to go. So let's focus on yeah, let's when the it. Cowboys have the football. Now that Cooper is back, C.D. Lamb returning from a concussion. Ezekiel Elliott, and there was some reporting after the Thanksgiving game that Elliott may get some time off to heal his knee. Well, he fully participated in practice all week long. He's not listed as questionable or doubtful or out. He's got no injury designation. He is good to go. Jerry Jones said that he expects Zeke to have a serious load against the New Orleans Saints. So uh, I I, th- I think they, they, you know, they want to try to get that balance going again. They want to have that good mixture of run pass that really makes it easier to do either because right. the defense is constantly on its heels. Yeah, no, no doubt. You're right. That's what they That's what they want. That's what they were when they were rolling, right, early in the year when they were just ripping off wins week after week. They had that great balance that you're, you're talking about. But I think, um, you know, they've lost their way in the run game a little bit. You know, they've had the injuries with Tyrone Smith. They've had to move a few people around. You know, they got a center and left guard combination that's just really not that great. So they can't dominate over in that area. You know, so I think that that hurts them. Ezekiel Elliott doesn't look like he's totally 100%. You know, I don't know how much they're going to be able to rely on the run game, at least tonight. 
Not against the Saints. I mean, the only team I've seen run the ball on the Saints in the last two years is the Philadelphia Eagles. Other than that, it's tough sledding. So I don't know if I expect the balance to uh, hit home tonight as far as the run game. I, I got to see that to believe it a little bit. And, of course, we know the Saints are going to be, you know, pretty pissed off and, and wanting to play too. Uh, sorry, Basing. What was it? Uh, what's our? I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, you were, Liverpool. You were far more fascinated <laughs> with that tweet than I was where a guy's asking. I get emails all the time asking us about different cities that we can apologize to when we say piss or ass or right. or, or worse. Well, I was going to give him some love know either way. In the week. Yeah. But I can't remember the name of the city. But, I know. But let me just, let me just Jump take in. a time out because yeah. I get this question all the time. Why do we do it? Here's why we do it. Because, we, and we love the folks at Sky, they broadcast our program so folks in the UK and Ireland can enjoy it, but there's somebody there that, that gets a little trigger happy with the bleep button, and they bleep things they shouldn't bleep, so we, we, are, we are being sarcastic yes. because we know that the folks in the various cities aren't going to have their sensibilities offended by us saying words like piss, ass, damn, and hell. Right. Anyway. There we go. Anyway. So, and and all, all four of those probably got bleeped. Let me know. Florio yeah. at ProFootballTalk.com if you're watching the show on Sky. How many of those got bleeped when I said piss, ass, damn, and hell? We know what you mean. piss, ass, damn, and hell. We know who we mean. Yeah, we know who you mean. But yeah, no, I think, you know, with Dallas, they have lost their way to the run game. And like I said, I just don't know if you're going to find it tonight. I don't. Now, you know, I will say Tony Pollard, it, 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 he's a notch up from Ezekiel Elliott, in my opinion, right now. I, I, that's the first thing I would say. Like I said, Ezekiel Elliott does not look like he's totally 100%. And Tony Pollard looks like he's got, you know, an extra rocket up his butt compared to Ezekiel Elliott when he gets the ball and sees a, a crack in the seam and got a hole. So, you know, that's one thing I'm going to continue to watch tonight when they do run the football. You know, just how they... Uh, kind of share that workload because I think there is a difference. And I think, you know, of course, Dallas isn't going to admit that because they're paying Ezekiel Elliott so much money. But, you know, the positive for Dallas and their offense, you know, again, is the weapons at least being somewhat back here. You know, Michael Gallup popped last week. He's, he's, they're tough to match up with. And we, I know we don't know if Amari Cooper's playing tonight, but this is where when the weapons on the outside get at full strength, this is where, you know, the ripple effect is that maybe the run game starts to get going again, even though there is some issues like I just kind of explained. Because as a, as a defense, it's just hard when they have Cooper, Gallup, and uh, CeeDee Lamb on the field. It, it, you, you can't just sit there and think you're going to play man-to-man against that group all game. I mean, if you are, you better have, like, the best secondary in football. And I respect the Saints and especially Marshawn Lattimore. But I don't know if they got the 2-3 corner that can really match up consistently all game with Gallup and Amari Cooper, too. And that's what puts defenses in binds and then, therefore, will help the run game because you got to have safeties back and protect that you know, big play from Dak Prescott and company. And I'm glad you mentioned that we don't know whether or not Cooper's going to play. Even though he's been activated, right. he is questionable. He had some symptoms as a result of his stint with COVID. Not everybody is asymptomatic. Not everybody is perfectly fine. Some guys have missed games even after they've been cleared to return. So we have to wait and see whether Cooper plays. And here's an interesting point about Pollard. And yeah. this is an example of how much more of an impact he's had this year. This is his third season. Last year, in 16 total appearances, he played in every game and he started two for Ezekiel Elliott. He had 101 carries for 435 yards last year. So far this year in 11 games, he already has 100 carries 
for 531. There you go. So he's got one fewer carry, nearly 100 more yards. He's averaging 5.3 yards per carry. Last year it was 4.3. And also in the past game, last year he had 28 catches for 193. This year he's already got 29 for 256. So Yeah, you see his role. He's better this year. He's getting more of a role, and he's doing more with it. And, and look, that, that that Zeke contract, their hands were tied this year. Their hands are tied next year. But next year's it. Next year's it. And next year's the contract year for Tony Pollard. It's going to be an interesting decision to see how, how they bake into the overall offensive approach, how much Zeke and how much Tony Pollard is going to have next year, assuming Zeke's even there. Because I guess in theory they could try to trade him, but who's going to take on no, that no, money? It's going to be right. one of those situations where the Cowboys have to pay a big chunk of of the salary in order to move him because nobody's going to take on whatever the obligation is somewhere between 10 and 15 million next year for Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, no, I agreed. I mean, exactly right. I mean, and, and, you know, Zeke is still a good football player and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but Hey, we know this story at this, this point of his career, you know, we've, we've talked about it a lot. He's a car crash runner. Yeah. There's moments again where I know you've heard me say this a little bit last year. There's plays where I look at it and go, that was a good hole. That was a good eight-yard gain. But I look at it and go, mm, I think Tony Pollard would have got 15 if he was in there. That, that's just how I feel when I see him. I think Tony Pollard is a capable of making a little more out of less than Ezekiel Elliott at this point of his career. Now, hey, it's second and two. It's third and three. I'll, I'll take Ezekiel Elliott, sure, because he is great at bam. I get hit at the line of scrimmage, and I get two or three extra yards, and we still get the first down. But the aspect of the game that you know is a little concerning to me is, yeah, there's a giant hole. There's one guy in the hole. It's just a safety, and usually Zeke's going to go down. He's going to go down. You know, He might hit that guy and run him over and you know get an extra two or three yards and then fall down. But Tony Pollard can make the guy absolutely miss and then end up ripping off a run, you know, for 20, 30 yards. And last week, he had a few of those runs, but they got called back. And they got called back for holding on a few of them where I want to go that that hold had nothing to do with the, the success of the run. But, you know, you can see even on these clips a little bit, there's an extra gear that he has. And, yes, he's a little smaller than Zeke, but he's no wimp either. He'll He can... He can smash it up in there, too. I really like his game, and I, if I was them, I would ride him a little bit more. I really would. Next year, Zeke is due to make $12.4 million. Tony Pollard currently on the books for 965000 That's how it works, and that's why there is a risk, a calculated risk in giving huge money to a running back. We talked about it earlier this week with Christian McCaffrey, and it's relevant with Ezekiel Elliott because this is another one where – you don't blame the second contract. You blame the decision to make the guy a top 10 draft pick. The Cowboys were desperate to get themselves a high-end running back, and they went with a top 10 pick after they had a really bad season, and they earned that high pick. They went with that selection on Ezekiel Elliott. And so when he plays well, and he's got you by the kahunas, as you would say, yeah. even though that's not the right word, <laughs> what are you going to do? And that's exactly right. what happened. Right. And his agent negotiated a contract that has these rolling guarantees where he's already he's already got even before this year began next year's next salary year. was already right. guaranteed and it, it your hands are tied your hands are tied so that that's the, the the look here's what the cowboys probably wish that they had done and i won't be surprised chris if they don't 
have this approach going forward. Yeah. We're always going to have two guys. Yeah. We're not going to put all the right. eggs in one basket because right. with one guy, you put yourself into a situation where you eventually got to pay him. Everybody loves him. Everybody's yeah. got his jersey. Right. He's a star. He's one of these guys that all the fantasy football people love because he's getting all the touches, goal line, red zone, touchdowns, you know, 25-plus uh, rushing attempts a game. Dilute that because then you never have to put any of the guys in this column we have of the top 10 running backs in the NFL because you got multiple guys at any given time who can get it done yeah no doubt about it it was the same conversation we had a little bit yesterday like right I mean it's it's like with the Patriots we, we see that they, they don't let that happen there's some other teams that of course don't let that happen either there's there's more of a committee approach so you don't get kind of pushed into that corner to where like you said you really got no choice you kind of got to pay them so uh, it is. I, I think that's something to watch out for. And I think your point about, you know, top 10 draft pick or, or uh, anything in that kind of range there is a really good point, too, because it does. If the guy has any success and he's a top 10 pick, you almost have to give him the second contract because the fan base and so many people within the organization are behind the player then that it gets hard not to reward him. But, yes, you can get burned in situations like this. So we'll see. And again, I don't mean to be disrespectful to Zeke Elliott. I'm just talking football and trying to, you know, take a business approach to what I see on the field. I really respect the guy and the player and the way he approaches the game in so many ways. It's just a harsh reality at that position. It really is. Um, but this Cowboys offense, you know, last week, they sputtered a little bit at times. They really did. I don't think Dak has been as good since the injury. You know, he has not hit the form that we saw before the injury, I should say, that a little better. Um, you know, before the injury, he was on fire. I mean, he couldn't do wrong. I mean, every play, every throw, didn't matter if he was under pressure, bam. You know, last week, the week before that, we saw the Denver game. We saw, you know, some missed throws. And not that it was bad last week, but there were some missed throws. There was that I think he would probably go, man, I, I don't miss that. What the heck? You know, they dropped the ball a few times on third downs. Pass protection wasn't great. They got a challenge in front of them this week. The Saints are going to be mad as hell. And we know that defense is still pretty damn good. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited just to see if he can kind of get back on his game with the full weaponry out there uh, and, and see what they look like as an offense once again. And one last point on Zeke, because yeah. I agree with you. This isn't an effort to criticize him. This is praise. He and Christian McCaffrey came in had three big seasons, and got their money. And that's what they're supposed to that's do. Because right. you know that you can't, you can't continue to perform at that rate indefinitely. Not when you are, and it's basic Newtonian physics, folks, you are running into a cluster of humanity that is moving at you. You are running into that mass of bodies that, is trying to put your butt on the ground. No and doubt. You're going to be far more likely to get injured or just wear down. I remember Eddie George when, and, and he played nine years before this happened, but you just get to a point where you just can't do it anymore. Yeah. No specific injury, no chronic ailment, just I've had the crap banged exactly. out of me for nine years at the right. NFL level. My body just won't do it anymore. Saying, no, I'm done. That's yeah. it. No. I hope you saved your money because that's it. So, so the point is, for the guys who are in this position, get everything you can while you can. Yeah, that's right. It's the teams that are making the mistakes, but the guys are doing the smart thing, positioning themselves no to get paid. No doubt. You're right. And, and, and listen, we were we were ones that were banging on the table for him to get paid. We felt like he deserved it. And, you know, it's not my job to evaluate his status or how much longer I think he can, you know, last in the NFL. All I know is, 
The first three years of his career, he way outperformed his contract, and he deserved to be compensated for it. And I'm glad he did. I am because, again, it's a brutal, brutal position, and it's not even fair. It's like it really isn't for what a running back has to do. I, I used to give the the ball, you know, to guys like Cadillac Williams and Mike Allstott, and I, I, some of the hits I, I just would go, oh my gosh, I don't know how they do it. My neck would have broke three plays, three times on that one play. And they would, boom, hit somebody, boom, hit somebody again, boom, hit somebody again, and run for five more yards. You know, it's, it's a special, special human being, but there's only so much you can take, uh, to, you know, to, to your point there. So, you know, hey, tonight, I don't know. I don't expect the run game to be hitting on all cylinders. That Saints defense is still damn good. You know, I know they lost 31-6 to last week against the Buffalo Bills, but it wasn't because of the defense. That, that wasn't the reason. I mean, Josh Allen and company had a hard time moving the ball the whole first half. It's just, it's the old story we talk about. The Saints offense stunk. So there's only so long the defense can kind of hold the fort down. You know, they were on the field every four plays like we talked about. Okay, we made a stop. Oh, we're back in four plays later. Okay, we made a stop. You know, and finally just the dam broke as we talked about a lot. But, um, you know, tonight, tonight, uh, I'm I'm excited to see Dallas and see what they can do, especially if Mari Cooper, uh, Mari Cooper's back out there, because they are a different team when all their weapons at wide receiver are there. It opens the field up, it opens the run game up, and of course, it makes Dak Prescott, you know, his life a lot easier too. And the other thing too, if Amari Cooper is good enough to play, will he be as good as he was before yeah, he point. had right. the bout with COVID right. to the extent that it is? causing symptoms that are lingering two weeks after we first found out about the positive diagnosis. You've mentioned the Saints struggling last week because of their offense, not their defense. Taysom Hill will indeed start Woo-hoo. tonight. There are multiple reports, and I've heard also that he is starting. You know, yep. Sean Payton is going to usually keep that stuff under wraps as long as he can, but the day before the game, I mean, everybody knows the hay's in the barn at this point. Yeah. He partially tore his plantar fascia in his foot and hasn't right. played since week 10, had concussion issues as well. This is his first start since December 13 of 2020 because he had five games last year when Drew Brees was injured. He went 4-1, and one. and this is his opportunity. Along the way, he's gotten that contract that has the huge gap between not playing quarterback and playing quarterback a lot and at a high level. And even though there's only so much he can do to enhance his earnings this year, this is about laying the foundation so he's the guy next year. So Sean Payton doesn't go try to get Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or someone else that Payton secretly believes in and nobody really knows until he grabs the guy and puts him on his team. Will it be Taysom Hill or will there be some other guy that, that Sean Payton wants to go find in order to upgrade the quarterback position? This is Hill's opportunity to make his case to Payton that he should be the guy who gets to be the guy next year. A hundred percent. It is. It's, it's an audition for, for, for the quarterback position for him. You know, Drew, Drew Brees said something to me when we were in Tampa in week one, and I, I just won't forget it. We were talking about Taysom Hill and a car ride to the stadium and you know, this is not inside information or anything, so I'm not burning Drew Brees. He just, he just kind of was. We were talking about it, and I asked him about Taysom Hill, and he goes, "You know, you know," and 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 he goes, "I think in Taysom's heart of hearts, you know, he wants to be a quarterback. Like he likes doing all the different stuff, and he'll do it, and he's a great team guy, but he really wants to give that a go and and try to see if he can be something at the quarterback position. So this does mean something to him." It's a tough spot to be in. 
because you haven't really played all year. And now it's like, hey, go in and, you know, play a good playoff team. And we expect you to move the ball, and it's a desperation game. That's not an easy spot. Now, he did have a week of practice, and I understand he's probably been getting reps all year long, throwing the ball during quarterback individual drills and stuff. But, you know, as we talk about all the time, you know, practicing quarterbacks, one thing, getting out there in the, you know, the frenzied pocket of the NFL is a whole different thing with the crowd yelling and a bunch of mad guys wanting to rip your head off. Um, so I'm going to be, you know, pumped to watch that tonight. That to me is my favorite thing about the night, watching Taysom Hill and, you know, the biggest thing, Mike, we, we kind of hit it on it, I think, last week a little bit. They need them. You know, they, they, they're they offensively challenged right now. You know, Taysom Hill, I think he can provide a little spark to their offense just because, one, you know, if you're Dallas, you know, you don't know exactly what to expect. There's nothing they've seen on film, you know, all year to know, like, oh, okay, yeah, they're going to have to go back to last year. They'll have a feel. But Sean Payton might have a few, you know, tricks that he's got up his sleeve a little bit. And then Taysom Hill's just a different player. You know, the play action, he's got a very strong arm. He can launch at 70 yards. And then you're worried about defending the 70-yard post. Well, while that's going on, he's 10 yards, 10 yards in the backfield on a play action pass, and he might be scrambling and then run for 30 yards. So he's very hard to defend that way. And they need him because without Alvin Kamara, there's not any – blue chip player on their offense right now that you have to worry about or can create offense by making plays there's that group that we've heard and and i didn't come up with this but we've been using it repeatedly to and on the collection of dolphins <laughs> yeah. fans who who are irrationally and unreasonably supportive of dolphins quarterback Tua Tonga Bailoa. i guess the other group would be Tayanon. this group of folks who have an irrational hatred of Taysom Hill. Yeah. And we'll always point out, well, he hasn't done this. He hasn't done this. And look at this and look at this. He's not very good. Why does anybody think he's good? He stinks. And ha have you not seen him play when he gets opportunities? The problem is he doesn't get the opportunities like he should. I constantly think back to that 2019 wildcard loss to the Vikings. Yeah, when say it. was the best, best guy player. on the right. field for either team that day. Right. He was the proverbial if not literal bull in the china shop when he had the ball yep. and i know from talking to paul allen who calls the vikings games he was stunned the vikings were stunned they didn't use him more if they use him more in that game they win that game so i don't know why or how we're at this point where he's used so sparingly and maybe injuries have been more of an issue this year than we realize but the reason why the numbers aren't there is this guy that Sean Payton has so carefully cultivated over the years doesn't get used as much as we thought he was going to be used based upon the performance we saw in that playoff game two seasons ago. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, you know, stats, blah, 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 blah. Four and one, you know, a ton of explosive plays, very hard to defend and stressful on a defense. I mean, we saw that in 2019, even when he came in for little spells for Drew Brees and a Taysom Hill package where he was dangerous. And, of course, last year when Drew was out. I mean, it was it was good ball. He's a high-level thrower of the football. He is. You know, and it's ridiculous. It just tells you about the times we're in right now. You know, Tua, oh, he was a number one recruit. And he went to Alabama. So we're just – I like that story. And I'm just – 
There's no way he's not good. There's no way because the Rivals.com high school beat writer said he was the best quarterback in the country. And then, you know, some other recruiting college guys who who knows what they know, they said he was good too. So, like, I understand he's talented, but it's like the story that everybody wants to get behind. Taysom Hill's not sexy enough. He's a little old. He came out of nowhere. I didn't see it in college. I didn't see this. So he can't be it, you know, because I'm a plumber and an NFL scout and coach because that's what I am. <laughs> and that's what I just you got too much of that going on in our world right now. Shut up. You don't know anything. Listen to Sean Payton. OK, he's the greatest, one of the greatest offensive coaches in the history of football. If he sees something, you should just go, hmm, there must be something. All right. So shut up, everybody out there. The guy's got a lot of high quality abilities. I mean, his arms better than Tua. He's a better athlete. He's bigger, and he's every bit as accurate. I mean, every bit. I, mean, I don't. So I don't know what anybody could be saying, but it's just a story that people don't like, and that's ridiculous. So let's see what he's got. You know, I'm not expecting him to hit the ground running and be like surgical tonight. Like I said, it's tough, and he doesn't have a ton of receivers. But I think you will see enough to go, man. Look at that ball fly through the air. Man, look at him turn the corner right there on that DB. Man, look at him run over that DB. And that's what he can bring to a football field. And in the modern-day NFL, you can make it work with a quarterback like that for sure. You mentioned Alvin Kamara. He's missed three straight games with a knee injury. He's officially questionable for tonight's game, which Man. means he's somewhere between 51 and 99% likely to go. I'm told he's not expected to play. And see, when, when you're at home, you can take full advantage of the looseness of the rules and hold that guy as a guy who possibly will play right up until 90 minutes before kickoff when you put him on the inactive list. When you travel, if you know he's not going to play and he stays home, everybody knows the day before because you have an obligation under the rules to move him from questionable to out if he doesn't make the trip. When you're at home, you can know damn well he's not going to play and you just don't have to admit it to the world until the inactive list is published and as of last night the expectation was that it wasn't going to be Alvin Kamara the good news is Mark Ingram who also has a knee injury he's good to go he has no injury designation so he'll be the guy tonight look for some time Montgomery too he may be yeah, getting some right. of the looks that Alvin Kamara would have gotten in the uh, in the backfield for the Saints tonight but you know regardless they don't have Michael Thomas they were in the mix for OBJ they couldn't work that out they really don't have a, a collection of great skill position players right now especially with Kamara injured so you know it's all the more pressure on Sean Payton to draw up plays and call him at the right time to take advantage of the matchups that he sees and this this chess match that we're going to have with Dan Quinn who yeah. knows the Saints offense from his time with the right. Falcons and also Payton who knows Dan the Quinn. Dan Quinn defense yeah. from his time with the Falcons yeah no doubt about it I mean there's definitely familiarity there a hundred percent there's going to play into the matchup uh you know but I'd say both teams are in a little bit of a different spot or, you know, Sean, Sean Payton and Dan Quinn are a little bit in a different spot than they were, you know, a year ago or two years ago when they were facing off against each other. The Saints are not the same offense. It's not the Drew Brees offense that we're watching right now. And like you said, there's no Michael Thomas. There's no Alvin Kamara. There's no Jared Cook. You know, there's no Emmanuel Sanders even there right now. There's really no proven commodity at receiver. So there's a little bit of a different attack there. And, you know, for Dan Quinn and the Cowboys, like we saw last week, you know, when he was in Atlanta and, of course, how he got the job, it was the Seattle scheme. It was zone. It was zone. 
Now it's, I mean, he wants to play man-to-man every play. And he'll be able to play man-to-man. He should be able to tonight because just what we just talked about, there's not that great weapon at receiver that I think is going to totally stress out the Cowboys' corners to put them in you know, compromising positions. Now, you got to be a little careful because Sean Payton, you play too much man-to-man. He's going to have some plays to cross you up, pick you, and do some things like that. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how each team kind of a- attacks each other uh, from that standpoint. But, yeah, there, there, there's familiarity, but both guys have kind of evolved into something different here the last year because of their new place or, you know, new quarterback and, and lack of weapons for Sean Payton. It's Marquez Callaway, Traquan Smith, Kenny Stills, Deontay Harris, Little Jordan Humphrey, yeah. and Ty Montgomery. Those are the six receivers on the depth chart. And the tight ends are Garrett Griffin, Jawan Johnson, and Nick Vanette. So this is not a murderer's row of skill position players that are going to make people say, oh, we well, have to take this guy away. Oh, we have to take that right. guy away. That's just the reality. Yeah, 100%. And, and Mike, like, Alvin Kamara is still leading the team in receiving, and he hasn't played in, what, three weeks? Is it three weeks or two weeks? I mean, either way, that's, he's missed three games. Three this games, be right? Four. That just that that just says it all. He's still leading the team in receptions, and he hasn't played in three weeks. And he's a running back, and he's a leading rusher. So that kind of just tells you where they are as an offense right now. Let alone, like we talked about last week, they're beat up on the offensive line. They're a beat up football team. So it's going to take, I think, you know, a big effort from them tonight. And yeah, let's see if somebody can kind of jump up and, and, and do something, you know, in the pass game. You know, the guy that I look at to be like, you know, a little bit of a weapon is, is you know, number 11, Harris. He's the one guy I look at to go, he could catch a slant and make somebody miss and run for 60 yards. You know, the, the guy, let, you know, he can get a speed sweep off the Taysom Hill run package and turn the corner for 30 yards. I'd like to see them, like, utilize him a little bit more. He's the one guy I look like that – that I think could be a difference maker for their offense or at least do some, you know, off schedule. The coach didn't just put me in the exact right spot and I can do it. But, uh, you know, I don't know. They're, they're definitely not a great offense right now. And the Saints are one of those teams, Mike, like, I don't know. I, I, what, what do you think? I mean, you know, right now what, what they're sitting here at the 10th spot, five and six. I mean, again, same record as number seven seed Washington right now. But do you, do you think they're going to be able to hold on here and, and get into the playoffs or, or make a run at this thing here? I think the spirit's willing and the flesh is weak. Yeah, despite that's kind of it. Right. skills and abilities of the coaching staff, the roster just isn't there right now. Uh-huh. The combination of injuries and the fact that, you know, the, it, it's not like you're ever going to have a perfect plan for replacing Drew Brees. Yeah. Drew Brees knew how to make that offense go. One right. of the issues with Jameis Winston, as you pointed out before he got injured, hey, he can throw a great deep ball but he can't accurately make the underneath throws that Drew Brees could make in his sleep. Right. So that impedes the progress of the offense. They don't have that. This is going to be an interesting offseason for the Saints because Peyton is not going to tolerate another year without a high-end quarterback. I think he's going to do everything he can to go find one, and it's obvious if Taysom Hill doesn't take full advantage of the opportunity he now has, Peyton's going to go out there and find somebody who's going to come in and take over. And by the way, I'm going Probably to a receiver on. too. I'm going to throw Tayan on a bone on the way to break. Last year, Taysom Hill was not 4-1. and one. He was 3-1. and one. Oh, so my gosh. Recite the <laughs> facts to make your case that he sucks. You can say, well, he was only 3-1 and one last year as a starter. Not 4-1, and one, Florio. So take that. Bam. Idiot. It taught you a lesson. That. 
<laughs> uh, I, I think, look, hey, I, I think that the Saints need this one more than the Cowboys. Yes. Right? Yes. But the Cowboys still. Yes. I got some pushback from Shireen. I got some pushback from Miles on PFTPM the past couple of days. I think the Cowboys have to at least have at the edge of the radar screen this flashing light saying, if you don't get your S-T together quickly, you may not make the playoffs. Uh-huh. If you don't stop the bleeding soon, you got to worry about landing in the far right column yeah. of out of the hunt once week 18 is over. Yeah, 100. Like, yeah. I mean, they're 7 and 4. If they lost tonight, 7 and 5, Washington wins this weekend, 6 and 6. All of a sudden they're a game back. They're going to play twice. Yes, they need to stop the bleeding. It, it, this is a you know, a big game for both teams, as as you mentioned, it really is, and and you know that that's where I get into like you know, the psychology of it. That'll be interesting too, because I get the sense that the Cowboys believe they're a great team, you know, and yeah, you're desperate, and they believe they're a great team. The Saints, desperate, but I'm not sure they have that same belief that they're really that good. And when you lose a game like last week, where it's 31 to six, and you know. You've had a few other games that were kind of bleh. Uh, you lose to the Atlanta Falcons at home the week after. There, that, that, there's got to be a little bit of a different mindset. And I guess that's where I lean Cowboys in the matchup a little bit because I got to think desperation with a belief that we're still a good team outweighs the, the desperation, and I'm not sure if we're good or not uh, aspect of the Saints. I guess that's how I look at it about a little bit in the psychology uh, of the matchup. Well, the Cowboys are the better team right now. Yes. They're the better that's team right. That's right. when you look at both sides of the ball. The question is, can Sean Payton whip up some magic yeah. and and win the game in the Superdome? And this is the first of three straight road games for the Cowboys. They go to Washington next. They go to the Giants after that. Then week 16. Here's a Christmas present for you. December 26, NBC, Sunday Night Football. The Washington football team at the Dallas Cowboys. Ooh, baby. I'll tell you what. It ain't going to be $38.5 million, but that number, yeah, I'm calling it now. That number, I think, is going to creep north of 30 if these two teams keep, yeah, keep themselves keep the in the mix. Right, right. If that's a relevant game to playoff positioning for both teams when December 26 rolls around, that could be a significant audience that tunes in because it's the day after Christmas. Christmas is a Saturday. It's a Sunday. People are going to be sitting around. No doubt. Winding down. That's going to be a hell of a game to watch on Sunday night. And then it's the Cardinals at Dallas and at Philadelphia to end the season. This is not an easy road for the Cowboys. These are games against teams that know them extremely well. They're going to be hard-fought division rivalries. He's got they they got four of them in the final six. This we we were we were putting Cowboys in ink at the four seed. I I I hope yeah. you got a pen eraser. Right. Remember that pen eraser yeah. that never worked? Yeah, yeah. I had I a pen eraser once and the damn thing never worked. All I'd had on it was this blue stain from where I tried to actually make it work. Pen erasers don't work. At least they didn't work no, back in the That's 70s. when whiteout came in. Now. Yeah. They may be fine products now to the extent There's they still no make way. pen erasers. There's no All such I know thing. is the pen eraser I had in the nineteen seventies was a piece of crap. So anyway. It's too late. We already put their name in in pen. Uh, We may be scratching it out by the time it's all said and done. All right, let's take a break. When we return, 
Adrian Peterson's name has been scratched out of the roster in Tennessee. He's got himself a new home. Is it going to make any difference whatsoever for the Seattle Seahawks? We'll explore that when this Thursday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Excited to see if he can help us out and give us a little something. And um, it's a player that I've, you know, I've known forever. You know, way back to his high school days, and, and uh, admired him tremendously over the years. Always disappointed we didn't get him back in the day, but uh, like I just told him, we finally got him. Um, so I'm looking forward to see how he, how he does and uh, see where, where he can fit in. He's an incredible uh, competitor and and uh, a, a great guy, and, and uh, so I'm anxious to you know, give him a chance to get on the field with our boys. Pete Carroll discussing the arrival of Adrian Peterson, practice squad tailback. Look, the Seahawks have been struggling to find the next Marshawn Lynch ever since Marshawn Lynch left. Remember, he came back at one point late season because they just couldn't keep guys healthy. This yeah. is that car crash mentality. There aren't many guys who are capable of dealing with that pounding on a regular basis. And here comes Adrian Peterson. And yes, he's missed time during his career with injury, but he has been one of the most durable running backs the NFL has ever seen. And I don't really know whether this makes any difference whatsoever for the Seahawks, given where they currently are. But there aren't a whole lot of options. You're looking for a veteran presence in your running back room. It's Adrian Peterson or Frank Gore, and Frank Gore is currently getting ready to box, to right? box someone. Oh, yeah, I know. that's great. I know. I I, I actually think I might. Is, is that going to be a pay-per-view event? I think I might actually watch Probably. it. He's, he's he wanted to box it. you a couple of years ago. <laughs> I know. He's still mad. I, he made a comment again about the Hall of Fame thing, and he, I felt like he was talking to me. Like He was like, for people who don't think I'm a Hall of Famer, they're idiots. And I was like, I think he's talking to me. Uh, and I know. We used to be friends. I mean, I had lunch and dinner with uh, Frank Gore at one time. And, I, yeah, I know. I'm afraid to see him. Um, but, like, hey, here to your point. 
You don't know. Let me just answer that. It's not going to make one damn difference for the Seattle Seahawks. Not one damn difference. I don't care who they get at running back. They can't open up a hole. They might as well sign you or me, or if they want to get the best running back in football right now, it's still not going to matter. It doesn't matter. Great. You know, and listen, Adrian Peterson is, in my money, he's really one of the greatest, if not one of the, he's one of the greatest players I ever saw in person in my life. I mean, man, when he was in his prime, and I think he is one of the five best running backs in the history of football. He is, but not now, not at this, you know, point of his career, and not behind that Seattle offensive line, and not behind that Seattle offensive line or offense in general that can't throw the football. So, hey, it's cool. Adrian Peterson, yeah, he's, you know, on the Seattle Seahawks, but uh, it's not going to matter one bit to, to the success of that football team. The Vikings have a need at tailback as well, and Nelson Peterson, the father of Adrian Peterson, was not happy that the Vikings didn't call Adrian for a reunion. But, you know, things kind of went sideways there at the end, and I, it, you, you, there are so many is, guys out yeah, there. Right. There are so many guys out there who can come in and provide you with – what you're looking for in a running back. And it's not like a veteran who's on the wrong side of 30 is going to be heavy into special teams. I don't know what they're doing here other than they feel compelled to do something and this is the one thing they can do because it's not like they can do anything else. Not not that they're pinning any huge hopes to this, but this does have a, a, a feel of the, the rearranging of the deck chairs on the Titanic for the Seahawks. Yeah. But this isn't going to make a damn bit of difference. No. And if and if Adrian Peterson had any other option, he would take it. He's just joining a 3 and 8 team because he wants to play. Yeah. And and there's no contender out there that's offering him an opportunity right now. No, that that's exactly right. He wants to keep playing and uh, uh yeah, there is a a little bit need at, at the position for the Seahawks, but yeah, I, I just don't see it being a difference maker anything that changes the game for the Seattle Seahawks and you know, to Adrian Peterson's father. I mean, again, this is the NFL. It's a business. This ain't a reunion tour. It's just not. You know, there's 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 no like you know consolation prizes for what you did or we used to have a relationship. You know, Minnesota. You know, they 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 probably don't even want to deal with the hoopla of all that and have to talk about that. They're trying to focus on trying to make a run here and get in the playoffs. Not have it to like, hey, how many times do you give it to Adrian? It's like the old days again. And they're like, no, it's not the old days. It's not. Sorry. We're, it's, it's, it's way past the prime time. And, uh, you know, again, it's not to be disrespectful to Adrian Peterson because I think he is first ballot Hall of Famer. And like I said, five greatest, five greatest running backs I've ever seen. And, Mike, I, like, I, it's one of those moments in my NFL career. I think you've heard me say this before, but I was 2008 on the Tennessee Titans – and we were playing the Minnesota Vikings, and I just, I just couldn't get over it. I just was like, this guy here is an absolute freak of nature. I mean, he was running people over. He was running this way, stopping, running back the other way, faster than everybody on the field. Um, I, I never saw anything like Adrian Peterson in his prime, never. Not at the running back position while I was on a field in the NFL. And the idea that he tore an ACL Christmas Eve 2011, came back and won the MVP award in 2012 and nearly set the single-season rushing record, one of the most incredible feats that we've seen in the NFL yes. in years, at least as it relates to the regular season. As to the Seahawks' offense, Pete Carroll talked yesterday about Russell Wilson. He said, we went through it and we watched it together. There's a few plays 
on the shorter passing game that he just really tried to drill the football and maybe threw it a little too hard, harder than normal, trying to make sure the ball was there and crisp and all that. The ball's down the field. He threw the ball pretty well on the move really well. We weren't as sharp as we needed to be. It showed up on three specific third down situations that could have been very convertible for us. That's just the way we looked at it. Remember, they had five straight three and outs at one point. They've had two games this year with five straight three and outs. The rest of the league combined has zero instances of five straight three and outs. I look, look, Hey, Russell Wilson's catching some of the mud from this, but deservedly so. And a lot of the balls he threw down the field, they looked good when they left his hand. They just landed nowhere. Yeah, no, I know. I think it's, it's a lot of like, you know, it's, there's a lot of things there. Yeah. Russell's not at his best. The offense provides him no rhythm. You know, it's not very complicated. The offense, when you break it down, they can't run the ball. You know, teams don't like necessarily worry about loading the box to stop Seattle to the run game. You can kind of play, hey, we'd like to we're gonna protect against Lockett and 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 Metcalf a little bit, and we still think we can stop the run. You know, here, you know, okay, that that that's tight coverage. But Russell, again, I think where, you know, like the precision you need on some of the shorter type of throws, that's where the I do think the finger can come into play to a degree. And as you've heard me say before, you know, I, I'm, you know, Johnny mechanics over here when it comes to the quarterback, he's got a little different mechanic. And I've had this conversation with Drew Brees compared to a lot of quarterbacks in football. He's not exactly textbook for how you would teach quarterbacks to throw a football. He doesn't throw the ball like, you know, Rodgers or Brady. He does. It's not even Mahomes who does have a baseball background either. I mean, Russell Wilson is a little bit of a, just a, he does this with the arm. It's all art. He doesn't always necessarily, like we talked about before, get the shoulder, get the created opposites between the upper and lower half of his body, and then let it unwind. That's not what he is. He's kind of an arm thrower. So when you're an arm thrower like that, and then you can't grip the football quite the way you want, you're going to lose control of it a little bit. And to me, that's what's kind of reared his ugly head a little bit over the last you know, two weeks. Something I noticed, too, in that pack of plays yeah. we showed. It was third and four, third and three, second and four. They're in shotgun formation. They're clearly throwing the football. Like, th- those are... Yes. This- those are run or pass situations. Right. Like, why are we resorting to these clear and obvious we're going to throw the ball when it could have been a run? Here, look at this one. Third and four. Why does this have to be a pass? It could have been a run. Now he missed the guy, and it was right at the sticks, but it didn't have to be a pass. Here's third and three. It's another pass that's off target. Why don't we run for one of these just to get – if third down is such an area of Strugglesville, as you would say, yeah. for the Seahawks, why don't we find a way to just make one? Let's just – let's do something different than what we've been doing, and let's make one of these. And, again, uh, I, I, yeah, I think he had a – there's no surprise element out. with their offense. There's no yeah. like you to what you're saying. There's no surprise element. There's never. That's never. I, I can promise you they're going to run on first, and then second. I don't know, and then third down. Like you said, it's going to be shotgun. No one's going to move, and it's going to be the most basic route concepts you've ever seen in your life. I mean, again, he hey he missed two easy throws there. There's no doubt. Like I expect Russell Wilson to make that happen. You know, there was a slant route to Eskridge where it was tight coverage. Okay. You know, that's not going to happen there. You know, he throws, he gives the, the go ball to DK Metcalf down the left sideline. He got greedy, and he's feeling the pressure probably a little bit because DK hasn't got a ball, and he, he doesn't throw the, guy, the, throw the ball to the guy open in the, the uh, middle of the field. 
But when your offense is off kilter and a little bit like we talked about, you know, I think earlier in the week, off kilter, you never get the guy in a rhythm, it's hard. It's hard, and they give them nothing easy. There's no wide receiver screens. There's no running back screens. There's never anything. I mean, you, you said it already in this segment. Five straight three and outs twice this year, it's, that's hard to do. Like you, like you said, the rest of the NFL, nobody's done that. The Seahawks have done it twice. This day and age in the NFL where the referees want to give you first downs on a platter, I mean, they just—they're looking for anything. You know, there's there's so many issues with that Seattle offense. You don't even—I don't even know where to begin. And it's not easy for Russell Wilson to overcome all of them, uh, and especially when he's not at his best right now, coming off an injury to his throwing hand. And we know what happened last year, reportedly, when he went to the coaching staff with ideas on how to make the offense better. They told him, "You mind your business, and we'll take care of it." I just. I don't know, and I don't know that we ever will know. Maybe we'll find out at some point years from now. By then, we won't care, frankly. But what's going on with this offense from a structure and design standpoint? Like Shane Waldron, hey, this is how we did it in L.A., and is Pete Carroll saying, yeah, that's I not know. how we do it here? Right, right. Yeah, like, we, we don't know the answer to that. I and know. Somebody does, and the other – curiosity about this how high up the ladder will the questions be asked of Pete Carroll and others about why the team is so bad this year at what point does it land on the radar screen of Jody Allen and of Vulcan Incorporated which manages all of the property she inherited from her brother Paul when he passed in 2018 and is this season enough to spark major changes at the top and do they think that their only chance of keeping Russell Wilson is to change coaches, and do they even want uh-huh. to keep Russell Wilson at this point? Uh-huh. There's a lot of questions that are banging around the Seahawks organization. I, I, to me, I, I think the way you laid it out there is, is, is at least my thought. There's, there, there, to me, I think we're going to there, – there's two avenues that I could see with Seattle. One, they blow it up. You know, Pete Carroll and John Schneider stay there. Russell Wilson gets traded. They blow it up, and they try to build another team. Or it's – what you said as well, you know, Pete Carroll, John Schneider, you're out of here. We want Russell Wilson. And now we're going to get somebody and some players in here that are going to make it all about him. And we're going to be more sexy and explosive on offense and change the mantra of how we play. To, to me, it just seems like it's inevitable at this point. It's one of the two. It's Peter Russ. Uh, I think that's the road we're going down. I just don't see this. I don't see a re- repeat of uh, this combination of coach quarterback next year. I really don't. And Even- we'll be surprised. Even if Russell Wilson was playing like he did before this year, I would not be comfortable with the idea of firing the coach and handpicking a coach who will specifically cater to Russell Wilson and give Russell Wilson everything he wants. You got another negotiation on a contract coming up with Russell Wilson. You're putting yourself in a position where you got to pay him $50 million a year if you start doing that, and you really do make it all about Russell. I, I just I, I don't know that that's a good idea, no matter who your quarterback is. Yeah, I hear you. To say, we're going to fire the coach and hire a coach who's specifically charged with doing whatever Russell wants. Now, they would never say that, but that may be the perception. It, it may just be full reset button time in Seattle. And then the problem is, how much does it cost you to buy out Pete Carroll if you do that? Because... And, and yeah, you know, I got some pushback from somebody I know last night. Oh, you say that there are coaches making more than twenty million, and Pete Carroll's making seventeen million. I've got the list right here that the NFL has. Yeah, yeah. The the NFL list is different from what they're really getting. On the NFL's list, I'm told the highest paid coach in the NFL is making thirteen million a year. That tells you right there that the NFL list 
is incomplete. Well, that's BS. There's no way in hell there's no Bill Belichick is getting out of bed for $13 million a year. No. Not after everything he's accomplished. So, so I know I, what I, four I, or five of them are making. Like, no. So I don't need to have anybody or yeah. call me or text me or whatever. I know. I had somebody you, insisting last night. They're they ridiculous. don't pay these guys extra money under the table. Oh, these my god! He's like, well, then you don't know what the hell you're talking no, about, buddy. Because they buddy. do. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. I'm with you there. Uh, there's, they do. I, I, I know for a fact. So uh, you're not going to waver on, on that one. The, uh, the, the reality, though, for Pete Carroll, and, and, and again, this is where Vulcan Incorporated, you know, is it, is it, you know, worried about making the Seahawks as good as it can be, or is it worried about the balance sheet? The balance sheet's looking pretty good, and the balance sheet takes a hit if you got to buy out Pete Carroll at $17 million a year or whatever it is that's been promised to him. So the, these are very real factors where business takes over. Seahawks fans just want different. They don't care what. They don't yeah. care how. Right. They just want different. Different may not be quite as easy to get when you're talking about the financial considerations that will be at play for the Seahawks, Chris. Yeah, no, so. you're, you're right. You're right. And it just seems that way. I mean, again, just reading between the tea leaves, as I like to say, it seems like the Seattle fan base has become exhausted by it, and they want a new look to a degree. And when you read articles out there or anything out there, yeah, it seems like they're a little tired. Oh. And the hostility, I, look, I, I do a KJR thing every Wednesday night, uh, the, the main Seattle sports talk station, and they asked me last night, hey, what would your argument be as the PR guy, the marketing director for the Seahawks, as to why people should go to these remaining home games? Like, I don't know, you already bought the tickets. I don't know. I mean, what, 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 I don't know. Well, why would you go, if you're a Seahawks fan, to the remaining home games? Good question. I don't it's know. It's a, beautiful, good, it's a great stadium. It's right there by downtown. How? What else are you going to do on a Sunday afternoon? You could walk right back to the city, have a little dinner after the game. That that seems fun to me. I'm down for that. Is NBC want to let me off for a Sunday? I'll or, go there. Or, Let's go or there you and could, hang out. <laughs> or you could just stay home and watch the games that matter on TV. Oh, you oh, could just do that. You could do that. You're right. You're yeah. right. I know. All right. Yep. <laughs> All right. Let's take a break. Can the Pittsburgh Steelers turn it around this weekend against their arch rivals from Baltimore? We'll discuss that next on PFT Live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba. 